Hey guys, this is your friendly podcast warlord here with a few things I need to say before the episode begins. So this was a really important episode for me because this is the first ever, you know, member of Epitaph I've ever had on the show. And uh, I was also with someone uh, with whom I always wanted to talk to on the show and always wanted to meet, just seemed like a cool guy. Uh, of course, it's Tony Thaxton, drummer of Motion City Soundtrack. And uh, I've recorded this on a trip I recently took out to L.A., uh, which happened a few days before, just a few days before Motion City Soundtrack announced their farewell tour. And of course, way before it was announced that Tony uh, would be joining them again on the entire tour. So there is no mention or talk of that. And I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I would like to say thank you to Sean Harris of The Matches for hooking me up with this. Uh, really cool of him to do so. And also a big thank you to Tony Thaxton, who uh, put up with sitting there while I quickly set up my podcast equipment because I took a run to In-N-Out way too soon. Uh, it was really cool of him to talk to me for this. He didn't have to do that. And just super, super nice guy. Uh, and I want to thank him and really all of Motion City Soundtrack for all of the years they've given us all the music the experiences the everything so uh i hope to see you i hope all you guys go check out their farewell tour if anybody's going to the new york city show i will see you there and uh i just wanted to wish them best of luck on the tour and all of their future endeavors uh tony also talks a little bit about motion city soundtrack at the end of this which i'm going to cut out and put into a bonus episode because i want to keep this to reconstruction site we had a really good chat about that um so look out for that bonus episode sometime in the future but uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of Punkorama with Motion City Soundtrack drummer Tony Thaxton. Welcome to Punkorama, where we are dedicated in our endeavor to sound super uh, uh, jumpy on the mic here. Well, welcome to Punkorama, we, we, uh, where we are dedicated in our endeavor to get to every epitaph ever, where we wax poetic on nostalgia and aesthetic. So welcome aboard from your podcast, Warlord. Hey guys, it's me. And uh, I have a very special guest here today. Uh, our first like epitaph alumnus. Uh, it's Tony Thaxton, of, uh, formerly of Motion City Soundtrack and currently of the, the Spirit of Erie PA or the Pride of Erie Pride PA. Pride of Erie PA. I'm so sorry. It's all right. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to head out already, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. For everything I've put you through so far. <laughs> well, I didn't know also that you were a... Uh, I'm sorry, did you call yourself a warlord? Is that the what I heard? podcast warlord. Podcast. I didn't know. I'm sorry, I had no idea. I reappropriated that from uh, Joe Strummer, who called himself the punk rock warlord. Okay. And I felt like it was funny to be called a podcast warlord. Fair enough. I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, it's better yeah. than the podfather. The podfather, uh, yeah. Which I believe is what Ricky Gervais was calling himself at one point. That seems like that's in his vein, though. <laughs> yeah. And all that. But, so, I told you a little bit about... of everything that I, I kind of went through to get here to L.A. Because I'm in L.A. right now, a place I've never been to before, and a place I have, like, a, a very... I had a very superficial dislike for, because I had never been here. But people I, love to do that. Yeah, especially New York people, mm -hmm. which is where I grew up, and that's the reason that I kind of had the superficial dislike for L.A. And now that I've got here, man, oh, man, it has not gone away yet. No? No. Well, I mean, I, I just got here, but... 
I got I, to get here, like my podcast equipment was all in my bag. And of course they had to, uh, you know, do the check on that, the TSA. Uh, I left the corkscrew in there that I was, uh, was a gift. It was like a best man's gift. Uh-huh. And so they had to take that away. Uh, well, that doesn't have anything to do with LA. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Uh, nothing, none of this has to do with LA. Okay. So all. see, you're still being unfair. I am being very unfair. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. Uh, I get my um, rental car and five minutes into driving, my shoulder pops out of its socket, which happens once in a while as I'm reaching over to my coat and also my phone's dead. And so I'm driving up and down, uh, my God, I can't even think of like the street name. And there's all of this crazy stuff going on. Like, first of all, everything is made of Adobe around here, Mm -hmm. it seems. And there were just these two, uh, stray puppy dogs running around like taking shits like in front of the jar in as, front of the gas station. Uh, is that a thing? Are there a lot of like <laughs> dogs here not on leashes or anything? No, like that? That, I, that's not a thing that I, I see too regularly. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it was just, just your lucky special day. thing. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then I saw this woman with a cane walking over to my car as I was parked waiting for my phone to charge and, and her arm was broken. Two things. Uh-huh. Very sad. And she had a bag that looked like it had some kind of preachy material in it. And it looked like she was walking up to my car. And then I realized it was a guy. And that was even crazier for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you never see people doing crazy things in New York. So. You don't. It's like, <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to put my finger on that, though. Because it's like, I don't know. It's like a different type of crazy. First of all, the last thing I'll say about uh, L.A. compared to New York. And this isn't a bad thing at all. I know it's warmer out here. But there's just like the homeless under the overpass, like yeah. everywhere. They don't, they don't, they put a stop to that in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I feel like it's nicer to let these people, I guess, kind of live where they need to live, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway, <laughs> it's all about where you go when you're here, where you go, what people, you know, here. And I don't mean that in like a, like douchey, like it's all about who, you know, baby. I don't mean that, no. <laughs> but I mean like, I mean that in like a friendly way of, of like who you're hanging out with because yeah, there are a lot of terrible people here, but you know what? There's a lot of great people here too. No, I completely understand that. And I know I'm going to get to all like the cool things. Uh, I feel like I've just had this like streak of, uh, of, of weird things happening. And then I went to like the wrong in an out burger at the wrong time. Yeah. That's like the busiest one yeah. always in your, yeah. That's it's, okay. Uh, yeah. You're like where you're staying is, is like, it's, it's a really nice, cool area, but it's also really close. It's like right on the border of Hollywood kind of. So it's like uh-huh. when stuff starts getting a lot crazier and busier and stuff. So like this, where you are right now is good and a little more laid back, but you're also very close to all that stuff as well. You like LA. I, you to love quote, LA. To quote, to quote Rand, the great Randy the Newman. The great Randy Newman. Yes. Uh, what do you think of New York? Um, I will say this. Yeah. I like New York just fine. Uh, I used to... I don't know if I'd say I love it, but I I did used to like it more than I do now. Um, I well, it's, it's strange now that I'm I'm not touring anymore. Mm-hmm. It's been over three years since I've been, and I you know I used to be there several times a year. So it's it is I have kind of uh, like been like man it's 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 weird I haven't been there in so long, and mm-hmm. I I do. I do because there were things I like about it and I do have a lot of friends there and stuff. So I always liked 
getting a, a day or two here and there, but it, it tends, I started liking it a little bit less each time I went back. Do you um, think that has to do with your age or the way New York is changing or kind of both? Um, maybe both, but probably my age. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't hate it or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I, if, if I'm there for, uh, very long, I start to get a little annoyed and just like ready to be out of there. I feel the same way about everywhere else. Yeah. But aside from all that, uh, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Virginia? Uh, sort of. So I, I eventually did. I originally grew up in a really small town in Michigan and, um, a little tiny town called Edwardsburg. Uh, and I lived there until I was 14 and then we moved to Richmond, Virginia, right okay. as I was starting high school, which is a great time to move. Yes. Oh, that's right. You, that's <laughs> yeah. when you moved to the new school, and that's when Tony Braxton got big, mm-hmm. and that's when mm-hmm. all of oh, that you've stuff done your research. <laughs> I, I, it's not, it's not my due diligence. It is, it is truly my pleasure of just being a fan of your work, <laughs> Thank both you. musical and podcast. But oh, so in Michigan, you were there till you were fourteen. So you were like there when you had your own like kind of whatever money to go and buy records and stuff, right? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I think I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about my own money, but, uh, um, I, I, I think I, I was buying, you know, back then tapes sure. a lot. I think probably even younger than a lot of kids were. Um, so yeah, I definitely like had a lot of tapes that I remember buying and, and I think, um, Music was just kind of like a big thing because my my dad plays drums also, and he was in like a cover band and stuff. So I just was kind of around music a lot. So mm-hmm. I think maybe I kind of got into that side of it, maybe a little younger than some people do. Sure. What What would you say is that? What is that age that you're saying is kind of younger than other people? Um. Well, I just first of all, I don't really, I don't really remember a time of like. I, I literally don't remember ever not playing drums. Okay. Like I just, it was just like a thing that like. I have no memory of like picking drumsticks up for the first time or anything. It was just like a thing I always did. Just um, like this innate thing that you kind well, of always had. Kind of. Because, yeah. you know, I just had like little ones and I would just beat on them. And then eventually over time, just like hitting them actually turned into playing them. Right. Like there was no like necessarily like effort put in to like, okay, so if I do this, it was just like, I just like figured it out eventually. But then you had your, like your pops kit to eventually move up to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which didn't really happen though until I was, uh, till we moved to Virginia. Cause so there was, there was kind of a, a period where I wasn't really getting to play because I had outgrown my little drums Sure. and then his drums, he never really had at the house that often because he his cover band played like literally every weekend. So like he didn't even bother like setting them up at home or anything. Cause he would just have to tear them back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really didn't play those at all. And then we moved to Virginia and then he wasn't doing that anymore. So we just, I had him set up full time there. And then that's when I like really, really got into playing. So seriously. like age 14. Yeah. Where, well back in Michigan, like where would you guys go to, you would go with your parents to buy records and like your parents would take you? Yeah. Like nowhere, you know, in, at that time. And then also at that age, like, um, well in that, that area that we lived in was such a small, unexciting place that like, you know, they're not having 
cool record stores or anything well, like that, did, I really. Mean, regardless if they had a cool one or not, like, did they have one that you guys would go to and, like, you're kind of, you have to get what's, I, I guess, there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I do have, like, a vague memory of at least one, like, actual, like, kind of local record shop. Um, but I don't remember the, being there too often. You don't remember the name by any chance? I want to say it was called Record Connection. Okay. But I'm not totally sure if that's right. Um, and so I, I feel like more I remember getting, like, buying tapes at, like, Target and Kmart really? and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Not, it's not cool, but no, that's No, right. no, no. I mean, I, I'm always really interested in what sort of people's, you know, coming of age... Uh, musical physical music purchase purchases were like because some people had like super cool indie shops that they were able to go to and then some people had they had to go to like the Barnes and Noble because that was what was around you yeah know? and that's I mean, not that's, a cool place but you you kind of have to take what you can get from there yeah and well, that's that's kind of what it was yeah and I think the first tape that I really remember getting myself or at least you know my parents like letting me pick this out and knew that i wanted it was weird al in 3d oh really yeah that's an awesome first one <laughs> yeah and it's and again that came out when i was like five i think okay. so like i don't know oh, that is that wasn't that much you know it, i don't know how long it had been out by the time i got it but i don't think it was that long wait did you know what was being parodied or did you think that these no, were I, like I originals knew. okay because like, <laughs> like i mean that was like when you know <clears throat> Michael Jackson was like the biggest thing in the world at that point. Right. So like I was already into Michael Jackson. So that's what kind of like made me like this even more. It's like, Oh, it's like that song, but it's funny. And <laughs> you know, it was, I was the target market. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, and now he's the band leader on comedy bang bang, which I think is an awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I, yeah. And I was trying, cause he said he was going to announce the new dude after uh, Kid Cudi said he had to leave. And I was racking my brain trying to figure out who it would be. And when he announced it, I was like, of course, but yeah. it never crossed my mind for some reason. No, me reason. neither. There was this, this, uh, this part of my ego that was like, how do I, uh, how do I get my foot in that door? <laughs> <laughs> I've met Scott a couple times. I don't know him, but I've met him. Like maybe, maybe it'll all pop into his head, but sure. of course not. No. <laughs> uh, although recently he said he wants to do like, a on the, uh, the last comedy bang bang that came out, he was talking about doing this like Hollywood Squares type thing because he loves like talking about like Paul Linden stuff uh -huh. and so they were talking about Hollywood Squares and someone was like you should do a comedy bang bang Hollywood Squares so I feel like when there's like a big opportunity for lots of people to be there and then there being like a, a sort of small pit orchestra for that <laughs> I think that you're made in the shade for that man let's have fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed I'm getting getting that foot in the door here and there but see uh, this is like this was like such an interesting thing with you if I could speak to that for a little bit is that I heard you uh, subbing for, uh, God, was it Garen on Never mm -hmm. Not Funny? Yeah. And I was like, why is Tony Thaxton on this, you know, alt comedy podcast uh -huh. I'm into? And it, it's just this weird, like, Wait, did you, you didn't by chance, like, tweet at or email Jimmy about that, did you? I tweeted something at Jimmy. It was just like how it's this weird convergence of these two very specific, like, subcultures that I'm into, but like, Never, I thought the twain shall meet. With right, because I knew I remember him commenting about somebody emailing him or something about that, and he was like, he was, he thought that was really cool. But I was like, maybe it was interesting. That you? Maybe uh, I don't want to take credit for it, but it <laughs> certainly might have been. Let's just say it's you. Yeah, it was, I'll it say was it's all me. you. Because like I've I've realized that within this like comedy community of people I'm into, you know, there's these certain musicians that like kind of float around in the same scene. Like Ted Leo uh -huh. is like 
hanging out with everybody on that stuff. And yeah. so is Amy Mann. And now they're working together. I think they're actually working together because they started doing all of this like comedy stuff. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I know they both pop up in a lot of those things. Yeah. It's so, it's such an odd thing. Uh, cause I, I love the pharmacists as well. You know, uh-huh. they, were, they were like really awesome. And, uh, yeah, but there's now particular drummer, so I think you're again made in the shade for that thing. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's fun. I like it. it. Comedy was always a thing like I was always into as also like from a pretty young age. Um and uh and then uh, yeah, after I moved out here, I started uh you know, it's like the first time I lived somewhere that I could like easily go to really great shows anytime I wanted to. Right. And so I started doing that a lot. And then just through like a few different random events, like kind of befriended a few people. And then that circle just kind of started growing and, and uh, yeah. And then it's kind of like helped me. Yeah. Just kind of given me some opportunities that uh, always seemed fun, but I was like, I don't know, you know, that'd be cool, but that's not going to happen. And now it's like, Oh, I'm getting to do some of these fun things. So (laughs) that's no, but that's how that stuff works. And that's so funny because to be completely frank, like that's how I got to you. I tweeted at Sean Harris that we were talking about his record and I was asking him a question, but he didn't get back to me in time to talk about it on the podcast. But then I started talking to him after and explained to him the show. And I was like, do you want to do it? Like just throwing it out there. Like there's no way this dude's going to want to do my uh-huh. podcast. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's talk about life won't wait. You know, when I come around in June, cause he's uh-huh. going to be in New York. And then, uh, okay. So he hasn't done it yet. No, he hasn't okay, done it yet. Gotcha. He's going to do it in June. Right. Sorry if he misled you or anything like oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, because I was thinking that I think I just, I don't know. I was thought was thinking I did, but then I knew at the top you said that I'm the first. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, first and the best. Let's I'm just gonna go ahead and say the say best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you're certainly setting the bar. Oh, very, very low. Uh, That's what I do. But, I mean, he, he just happened to bring you up out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. I knew that you were like into podcasting and all this stuff, but I never, I think I mentioned on one pod, on, on the Commit This to Memory podcast, I was like, Tony Thaxon does podcasts. It would be really cool to get him on. Uh, Dreams can come true. It, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you are playing drums for, you're going to play your faux timpani for Jimmy Carter tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And now I got you uh, talking on this. Um, so getting back a little bit, when you moved to Virginia, when mm-hmm. you moved to Richmond, was there a place that you can remember that you bought music there? Um, eventually. Yeah. I think, you know, for a while it was still that same kind of thing where like mm-hmm. just it, target or whatever. Um, but then there were a few, as I started getting into, to more quote unquote cool music, I think I started, uh, ending up at more like local record stores. Um, most of which are gone now. Um, there was a big one that was a huge deal in Richmond for a long time called Plan Nine, and uh, it, I believe it is still there. But it's it's kind of it's one of those. It's like it's the last time I was there. It was like oh, this is this, it's almost kind of sad. It's just not what it management changed hands a few times probably. Yeah, well, and it's just you know like nobody's selling what they used to sell, and oh, so they yeah, just yeah. they had a lot less. Mm-hmm. Like it used to just like you know. They had they had a whole like second floor that was just used stuff, and uh, and just had a really great selection upstairs and downstairs, and just that was, you know, and it was one of those places where, uh, even you know, hanging out with friends and you're trying to you're like, what do you guys want to do? I don't know. You want to go to Plan Nine? Yeah. And like you know, you just end up there sometimes, and and yeah, it just doesn't really seem like that's kind of a thing anymore. 
when you so the first record you got or uh, album I should say that you can remember is was that Weird Al 3D album mm-hmm. were you like into a lot of like sort of more classic rock stuff because that that's what your parents listened to and that's what your dad was playing and then you kind of got into like I guess the contemporary stuff which I guess was probably more punky or something like that or um yeah sort of I don't know if I'd necessarily go classic rock there were things in that classic rock world that I that I did like through like my my parents listening to like the Beatles and sure. Queen and stuff like that, but um, but yeah, you know, I was I was young, so I was like, you know, loved Weird Al, and like I said, I was went very young. Like Michael Jackson was the coolest to everyone, uh, and then like I was I loved and still do love. I don't care who wants to make fun of me. I've spoken about this a lot. I love Huey Lewis. I think Huey Lewis is genuinely great. I think if you don't think those are great pop songs, you're a fool. And they're just a great band. Everybody in that band could play really, really well. If you ever uh, think, like, he's full of shit. I'm look, <laughs> look up some live clips of them playing, and they sound flawless. Sure. I'll shut up about it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's it's whenever whenever Adam Scott and Scott aren't talking about you, too. They're doing the Huey Lewis podcast <laughs> in the background. Which I would, I would totally do a Huey Lewis <laughs> podcast. Uh, no, I, I genuinely love Huey Lewis. And so that was a huge one for me for a long time. Um, Do you remember like the sort of earlier, like what were the, some of the first like sort of contemporary, like, I guess, alternative rock punk stuff that you kind of started getting into? Um, well, yeah, you know, like when, uh, in the early nineties when like Nirvana broke and all that, like, uh, I got into that, but I, I was, I wasn't in right away. I remember not really loving like smells like teen spirit for a while. It kind of like, it took a long time to, for me to like one day just get it or something. It was, I think it was actually like a couple singles into Nirvana where there, I was finally like, Oh, I like this. And then it kind of made me start appreciating the other ones. So I think in bloom was the turning point for me when that one came out. Were you Um, like skeptical about them or something? I don't know what it was. Like, I, I think I was just like, I always listened to more just kind of like, I, you know, all I really knew was, was like old stuff. And then, and then whatever was like pop radio at the time, I just hadn't like explored a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So it was just sort of like new to me. And I definitely was more like in the, the like pop world, I think, cause I, I never even really was into like metal and stuff. Um, you know, even like the cheesy, 80s hair metal that I should have liked at the time. Mm-hmm. I just never really had that phase. Um, so yeah, so it took me a little bit, but then I ended up loving Nirvana and like the early Pearl Jam stuff and all that. And then, um, and then as I started getting to my later years of high school is when I started finding out about like more like indie bands and stuff. I was never really, uh, also it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, I think everyone just assumes this. Um, I was never really like a big like punk guy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some bands here and there and certain songs or whatever, but like that was never like a huge thing for me. And I think um, that was what was so strange. It was kind of strange to all of us. And uh, initially when in us being Motion City, when we um, started talking to labels, and uh, suddenly we start hearing from Epitaph. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all very thrown by that because that was just, I think at that point, I mean, you know, I think since, since then they've kind of branched out a little bit more, I sure, think. Sure, yeah. But I think like up, in, up until then, like 
they seemed like pretty like strictly like punk bands. Right. And we didn't necessarily think of ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. And so we were just, we were very surprised that they were interested in us. Cause if I remember correctly from like, you know, AP interviews and all that stuff from the time, it seemed like the, the artist that kept coming up as the biggest influence in the band. And maybe this was just in the songwriting was, was Ben folds, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously sonically, you know, Ben folds has some rock and stuff and that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and the other stuff's cool too. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, it, 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 I never heard you guys ever talking about like any kind of like specific, like real, like punk influence, which is, which is an odd thing. And just because like, okay, so I am the movie was your first like full length, right? Mm-hmm. I know you guys were, or I read you guys were selling that out of the back of the car and that's what Epitaph picked up and then they released it. And like something like that, something like that, something along those lines. But like, I remember, you know, sitting in my garage and I, I, I play drums as well and putting my headphones on and playing along to, to boombox generation, you know, cause that's just such a fun drum song, you know? And I think like, I think every, everyone can probably say that who's, who's a fan of you guys music and, and a drummer, like at one point pick, try to play that beat, you know, and get into it. And like, where, where would, where would that come from? Just like, Oh, it makes sense in the context of this song or, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, it's not like I hadn't heard that type of music or anything. Sure. Like, I'm not uh, saying yeah. that. Um, it just wasn't like a huge thing for me. Um, but I think more, I mean, I guess too, it, maybe it just, maybe my definition of maybe I take punk as, as a word, like in a genre, like maybe too literal or something. Cause like, um, well, I, yeah, I wasn't l- really listening to like no effects or things like that, but like I was super into Nirvana sure. and things. So like, you know, that like, I mean, Dave Grohl, you know, that was like a, a huge thing for me. Um, and, uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, there's the audience. Yeah. Lots of children around here. All my biggest fans are all <laughs> <laughs> lurking outside the window. Um, but a lot of like uh, like late '90s, early 2000s, uh, like just indie rock bands or, or bands that a lot of people call emo bands, I guess mm-hmm. um, that I was super into. Um, so it kind of came from that, like like I said, like the, so the like '90s grunge stuff, and then um, yeah, just like those indie rock bands like Braid and Get Up Kids and um, Q and Not You, and mm-hmm. just a lot of like. A lot of that, like late '90s, like DC, like, uh, like what, what, what did they call it? I, there's always all those uh, labels, g- genres, genres, and genres. Well, I mean, but that's the thing is that you know bands that are emo or pop punk, like they don't refer to themselves as emo or pop punk. They refer to themselves as rock bands or rock and roll bands or yeah. even punk bands, you know. And then it's it seems like it's more of like the scene and the media that kind of, you know, gives them the label of like, this is an emo band or this is a pop punk band or whatever yeah. and what have you. And so I feel like it's easy for a lot of people to, you know, kind of stereotype as like, Oh, this is a pop punk band and all pop punk bands are shit and all emo mm-hmm. bands are disingenuous emotion and all that stuff. Uh, but it's never, it's never the fault of the artist. It's always, these outside things that are trying to label because, you know, just like you were trying to think of the name of that DC stuff, like 
alt rock can only get you so far in terms of like explaining a sound, you know, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And sometimes, you know, just for, because we share a common vernacular, we have to use these like words like pop punk and emo and stuff, yeah. which is like a weird, I don't know, for me at least it's like a weird, um, uh, I don't, I don't know, like a weird thing to have to come to terms with because like, I love that stuff, you know, and I defend it. Like I will defend it until the day I die. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, at the same time, I understand that like it's not good to label, you know, bands as as this or that and all that. I don't know where I got off on that tangent. But I, know, I, I, I mean, I, I understand feel like what you're I just saying. Need to bring that it's, up, yeah, because it is. It's a weird like because that's what people if they don't know your band, that's what they love. That's the first question is like, so what what kind of band are you guys? Mm -hmm. And I always hated that question because no matter what you say, you're not gonna like then make them go, oh, I know exactly what you sound like then without them hearing it. So did, did you have a default? So as opposed to like just going straight out genre, if you had to do the thing where you were like, oh, it's this meets this meets that, you know, mm -hmm. did, did you have like one in the pocket for Motion City? For me, yeah. I tended to say it depended on the person's knowledge of music. Like, okay. so I, if, if they kind of knew a lot of like more like indie band kind of things or something, like if they had that knowledge, I would say like we were kind of like get up kids ish maybe maybe like get up kids meets weezer kind of okay. thing but then if they if they kind of didn't know that side then i would kind of maybe say like oh it's kind of like weezer um <laughs> i was like i'm not saying we sound like weezer but i like we get that comparison sometimes um but yeah i never i don't think any of us ever really felt like we were necessarily a pop punk band but we got thrown into that category sure. a lot i mean i can sure we had like elements of that and certain songs here and there that you could maybe throw that on but overall like uh we didn't really think of ourselves as that way no of course not but i mean i certainly put you into this category of like in terms of the music that fa that falls into you know, a wide genre of like, you can just say like the punk alt rock stuff. Like you guys were certainly a more intelligent force in that, you know, uh, j just from the, your, the lyrics that you guys would write and the song composition, I think at least, you know, it was, it was the thinking man's warp tour band. <laughs> were you doing the, the tech on that, on the Andy Daly episode of never not funny? Yeah. The seven 11 episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Jimmy is explaining who you are to Andy. And at one point he goes, he's, this man's been on the warp tour and Andy Daly just like, I love him to death. And I, he's like probably one of the funniest dudes on the planet, but also Agreed. one of the whitest dudes on the planet. Yeah. He's like, what is that? A roller skating? Yeah. I think he says, is that the one with the uh, mosh pits and roller skates? Roller skates or roller blades or something like that. And it's like the one like cultural touchstone mm -hmm. that's like the lamest. I, 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 I Roller skating, I'm sure, can be really cool, but like, <laughs> generally thought of as like the lamest of all those things. Like, what is it? A roller skating? Uh, oh man, I forgot. Uh, I forgot the word, word he used, but I remember that he used roller skating or rollerblading, and that like completely, yeah. <laughs> completely threw me off. Like, that is amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but let me ask you this: getting into the weaker dance in this record, mm -hmm. how would you do that same sort of this meets this explanation of the weaker dance? And you can do it to someone like just do it like height of your intelligence. Assume they know oh, man. your same cultural. See, I feel like I always suck at that, no matter who the band is. And really? I feel like with weaker than's are like especially hard. Um, and I was actually, I, um, knowing we were going to talk about this, I, I was listening to the record earlier today, mm -hmm. and it had been a little bit since I'd listened. And 
I kind of was thinking about it. I was like, I feel like I'm not saying, I'm not going to say there aren't bands like this anymore, but I feel like there aren't a lot of just like straight up like rock bands now. Like it almost sounds weird to even just call them a rock band. I don't know what I want to call them, but like there's no like, I don't know. There's no like tricks going on. Like there's no like flashy production on the record. They're, they're just, it's just like, yeah, Yeah. I feel like it's just a band doing their thing. Um, let me ask you. So let me ask you this. We all know the weaker thans as the weaker thans and, you know, you know, this beautiful brainchild of John K. Sampson. Mm -hmm. Do you think they, that we would know about them if he wasn't in propaganda? Let's say, let's say in this timeline, he still made the weaker things. Do you think we would have heard about them? Man, it's hard to say. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would hope so. Cause in, you know, for, for people like me in the kind of music that I tend to listen to, like this is way more up my alley than mm-hmm. propaganda is and nothing against propaganda. Right. It's just not what I tend to listen to. Sure. Um, so like me personally, I would hope that I would have somehow discovered it. And honestly, I did hear I, I heard of, I literally heard of the weaker thens before I heard of propaganda. Right. Um, so I remember being on tour with my old band, uh, years ago. And I remember we stayed at somebody's house and like the next morning they were playing, um, left and leaving. And, um, uh, that was the first time I'd heard of him. And then like later find out that he was in propaganda and all that. I had no idea. Right. Um, but I mean, that's the thing is that you were saying you don't know, it's hard to tell if there's any real, you know, bands that are just playing this very sort of straightforward kind of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there there might be, but perhaps they just weren't in their propaganda or something like that. You know? Right. Yeah. That's that's what I was saying. That's why I like started to say it and I kind of took it back a little bit. So I'm like, I'm sure they're <laughs> out there. I just don't know of them. Right. Um, but yeah, and I, I think like. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this too. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. We should get that out of the way right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Neither but. of us are experts here. We just know what the record is and we're just here to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. This is not sanctioned by Epitaph at all, by the way, this podcast. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I feel like um, that it doesn't seem like it would necessarily even have the same audience. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there is plenty of crossover, but like, I don't know. I, I don't think of like propaganda fans and weaker than fans being the same kind of audience. Absolutely. No, no, no. I think I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, sonically, they're very different, but you know, I'm sure that there, of course there's a small cross section of them. That's going propaganda fans that are going to be into this sort of, uh, intellectual prose rock. I've used the word intellectual a lot. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> But I mean, if you do it one more time, though, I'm out. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I also think that, you know, he he was like the third bassist in Propaganda, and then he, you know, left to go do publishing and then start. (laughs) Thought you were going to say he was the third baseman. He was the third baseman (laughs) in Propaganda. What was on second? Who was on first? Yeah, Uh, they should do that bit. Um, But. uh, and then he wants to go do this. So it almost seems like, you know, how, you know, p- people will be into bands and then they'll kind of grow up and be into s- stuff that's a little bit less aggressive and a little bit more, uh, 
I'll use thoughtful for not wanting to use intellectual again, but it seems like there's, there's like kind of that natural progression of like growing up and wanting a little bit more. You know, this is like, this is folky, right? Would you, would you consider a lot of their stuff or at least I some mean, of this record like folky? Hint, hints of it there, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That I necessarily ever really thought of it that way, but I don't disagree with that. No. Right. Um, uh, and uh, such a interesting thing about them that I feel like maybe, I don't know, again, maybe this is just me being a dumb guy, but uh, I feel like I never even like thought about it until someone pointed it out to me. Because also, to be totally honest, he has really great lyrics, but I'm also, I'm kind of not a lyric guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not I'm not saying like they don't matter. Sure. Like, uh, but I, I will tend to notice, like if lyrics are really bad, that'll turn me off. But a lot of times I'll just like... I like cause I don't know. There's just something about lyrics that a lot of times don't sink in with me. Like I'll even maybe know exactly what they're saying, but I for some reason like won't give it a second thought. Yeah, and, and then until like years it, right? later when I'm like, oh, that's I, I never thought about what he's actually saying there. Um, but anyways, I'm rambling. Uh, the thing with them that's interesting is uh, they're like their choruses like don't repeat. Like they might come back to a chorus, but it'll it'll have different, different lyrics. lyrics the yeah, next you're time. right. It will do that. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think literally all of their songs are like that. I don't think they ever really have. I'm sure there's probably an example of one that repeats, but I don't. Most of them I can think of, like they don't really repeat lyrics in the chorus. Certainly for this record, I think that's that's indicative of this record, mm-hmm. particularly that that definitely happens where there's not of a lot of repetition. Yeah, and at least in terms of the hooks. But do you remember? Uh, the last time you listened to this record, like before, I guess today or before like this episode came up as a whole, it's probably been a while, but, uh, you know, (laughs) um, you took it out of, I don't know, right out of my mouth. Um, I just want to break the ice for that. You're welcome to do it if you'd like to. Um, yeah. So not the whole thing, but like I'd maybe, you know, throw certain songs on here and there, maybe like make a playlist and throw certain songs on. But it, it, it had been a bit since. Uh, you listened to the, you gave the whole record a good yeah. listen. Do you remember like approximately how many months, years? Honestly, it's probably been a couple of years. years? Yeah. 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 Do you, is this, if you were to put on one of their records, this is the one you go to? Yeah. I actually, I go to left and leaving before I go to this. Nothing. That's probably this, my second favorite. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's. I don't know what it, I think there's just certain songs on left and leaving that I have my special places mm-hmm. to, you know, Well, just the song left and leaving is that might be like up there with like one of my favorite songs ever. I was going to wait until, uh, I guess midway through listening to some of these tracks to, to ask you this, but I'll, I'll ask you this now. Do you have offhand your favorite weaker than's lyric? Just because there are, I, I think, you know, that's something that's so unique about them is that they have all of these amazing lines. So here, here's what I thought about on the flight over as I was trying to like, you know, articulate what it is about them that makes them special. Uh, I think that, <laughs> this might be a tenuous analogy, but I think that they are like the arrested development of, not band <laughs> arrested development, arrested right. development show of music because it's all of this very, very well thought out uh, work and there is just so dense with great lines and just great everything that each time you listen to it, you're kind of rewarded with something new. Like, oh, I didn't notice he said that the first time, just because mm-hmm. I feel like with, with John K. Sampson, at least, like 
you're, you listen to a line and you get stuck on it. Like that's a great line. Like that's so poignant or clever or whatever it is. And then you're kind of like stuck on that line for a little bit and you're not listening to the next few. And then another one will jump out at you. Just mm-hmm. like when you're watching Arrested Development, you're like, oh, this, I never noticed this joke or anything like that. And you know, it has these like, especially with this record, it has these like callback, uh, these callback motifs, um, with, uh, oh my goodness, the looking for the track with manifest hospital vespers and past due, Mm -hmm. right. They're all the same melody Mm -hmm. and they're kind of doing the, I guess the not exposition, but like giving the story, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't notice that though, the first few times I listened to it, I, I think it took me, it took someone telling me, you know, that like there, he's doing that. I'm like, Oh my God, you're right. Like those songs are the same melody and all mm-hmm. that. There's just so much in there to appreciate. And so that's, that was how I equated it at least on yeah. the flight over. Yeah. Right. Do you think that that holds any white or water or <laughs> what do you think? Uh, Wait, what's your question exactly? What do you think about my analogy to the weaker thans being like a, an arrested development of oh. music? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> um, it was not well No, placed. I guess so. Again, I feel like I'm probably a terrible person to ask that question to, though, because I'm just not, as I said, I'm not really a huge lyric guy. Mm-hmm. Even though I do probably notice their lyrics a little more than I do a lot of like them and like Ben Fold's lyrics, I feel like are the ones that I'll usually know the most. Um but uh, I can see what you're saying. Sure. But I'm just I'm just I not gotcha. the best with that. Well, getting back to the question I asked before, <laughs> I, I went on this rant. No, 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 no apologies necessary. Uh, do you have a favorite line like in your back pocket that you pull out? Um, I don't know. I necessarily have a favorite, but I definitely have ones that sort of like stand out to me, yeah. um, or like give me like memories, um, and they're not necessarily because of. I mean, they are what because of what the line is, but for different reasons, kind sure. of. Um, so this is also going to be a terrible answer, but I'll just share this story. Um, before this, re- I, I'm pretty sure the record was not out yet. Um, we did, like, it was like a, just like a little, like, 10-day tour, I think, with the Weaker Thans. Oh. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And I think the record was about to come out, but it wasn't out yet. Um, and so they were playing some of these songs and, uh, I remember, I don't remember if I just wasn't in the room for a second and then came in halfway through, or if I just missed kind of him and I wasn't paying attention and I missed his intro to the song explaining that, uh, it was from the point of view of his cat. And <laughs> so it gets to the part at the end, toward the end of that song when all the music cuts out, except for him and on the record, it's piano but he's doing it with guitar live and um it has the line i swear i'm gonna bite you hard and taste your tinny Tinny blood blood. yeah yeah, yeah. and i remember and again like hearing that like like that being the first line that kind of i really even paid attention to Mm -hmm. like what the fuck is is he singing about this it sounds super over dramatic something (laughs) that would be in like a taking back sunday song or something like that i was so i was so confused by it i was like I like these guys, but I don't, I don't know about that. That just seems kind of dumb or something. Right. <laughs> and like literally like the next night I hear him like, all right, this song is written from the point of view of my cat. <laughs> oh, okay. I need to pay better attention. <laughs> is all it comes down to. <laughs> uh, the one that always stands out for me is um, from left and leaving the song. Uh, the sidewalks are still watching me think about you sparkle with broken glass. Uh-huh. Like it's his voice too. And just the way that he says it, uh, that he that he sort of reads that line because 
you know, his lyrics are one thing, but also he has a very unique voice, I'd say too. I've, I remember the first time I heard them, I, I've, and I still kind of think this, and this kind of sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it as an insult. He's got kind of like a Muppety voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Very, it's very, it's a very unique voice. And like, I like it though. Like, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I love the Muppets. So. Sure. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I remember like the first time I heard them, I was like, this, this guy, he sounds like a Muppet. He sounds like he would be. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he almost reminds me of, uh, uh, who's the new guy that they introduced with the first Jason Siegel movie? Oh, Walter or not Walter. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's Walter. Oh yeah, it is Walter. Yeah. Sorry. Almost I second like guess myself. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do, let's run through a quick T by T. Uh, if you're cool with that. Sure. Okay. Uh, we don't have, we're not going to listen to every song the whole way through. <laughs> don't worry. But, uh, this is right here is manifest. going great it is going just terrific if you haven't noticed nothing's gone wrong yet today (laughs) at all don't you love when this happens you know what this never happens to me okay (laughs) like i know that guys get stuck with saying that a lot like oh this is the first time this has ever happened i am always so well prepared with everything Yeah, but this isn't your fault this is just technology Uh, this is la's fault (laughs) of course (laughs) Oh my God, why won't this play? Okay. Always have a backup plan. Oh. Going from phone to tablet, and hopefully it's downloaded because, as we all know, there is no Wi Fi yet that I'm aware of, and I can't seem to find my hotspot. Which is a real bummer. What's going to happen? <laughs> I feel like I, I should be trying to fill some time here, but I'm doing a very poor job. It's okay. You're enjoying the yeah. show of this. There we there's, go. There's our guy. I want to call requests through heating vents. With a whisper, no To crack the coat of muscle slack and tense Let every second step in boots on snow Complete your name with accents I can't place Then stumble where the syllables combine Take depositions from a stranger's face Paint every insignificance of sign so, opening the record with just like a, you know, awesome opening line. Uh, I had great notes on this, but I can't get to my notes <laughs> on any of these tracks. Uh, what do you What do you think of this track? Uh, it's a good one. It's a, it is. A, I think it's a good opener too. And it's it's a that whole element that you were talking about. How this this song. I mean, it's not this song, but it is the song that comes back two more times throughout mm-hmm. the record. Just kind of like different versions of this song, basically, right. with new lyrics and um, this trumpet part terrific mm-hmm. i yeah. love horns out of nowhere mm-hmm. uh for the most part but uh yeah i love that this came out of nowhere and it always seems like they have this great way of you know and this runs throughout this record and i think a lot of their work of just taking 
the depths of sadness and then kind of trying to give some kind of like positive or open-ended spin to it you know mm. like there's like a light at the end of the tunnel type thing yeah uh now we're on the reasons mm-hmm starts out self-deprecating <laughs> So, is he a self-deprecating dude? Like in real life? Um, I don't think I, I remember having enough conversations with him to really pick up on that. Well, what, what do you think about, what do you, just from, through his work, you know? Like, he does start off with a self-deprecating line, and do you think he really thinks that's the case? That he, he can't sing and he can't play guitar? Uh, no, I, I, feel, I feel like it's kind of, you know, just, uh... You know, self-deprecating for the sake of it. Just yeah, the, and just sort of like kind of, you know, little sense of humor to it a little bit. I right. Think. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the title track, track three, Reconstruction Site. This song always, and maybe you can help me with this. It's always made me think of another song, but I can't, um, I don't know what the other song is that it makes me think of. So this like bass like right up front and those drums in the background with this like tambourine right mm-hmm. I feel like I it's it's the same way like four pop rock songs from the 90s started out it's like this eagle eye cherry production you know actually I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of now I probably shouldn't even repeat this because it's gonna uh, once again I'm gonna sound like I'm insulting them uh it's kind of just it's it's not it's nothing other than strictly the music sure the the, the vocal sure. melodies are, but it, it makes me think a little bit of the joker by the steve miller band <laughs> yes no you're absolutely right uh i i think i even wrote that note yeah <laughs> a much cooler version of that song absolutely no 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 you are completely on point with that. I, I love the guitar in this song, though, too. There's some great leads in this song. Yes. So I think you're absolutely right on the melody, but in terms of, like, the production value, like, it's, I don't know, just every, like, 90s, a, a lot of 90s pop, pop rock bands, I feel like, have, like, this sound, like, Everclear, mm-hmm. like, kind of has this sound, you know? Um, great feel right here, too. Cymbal choke. <laughs> Big fan of that. Uh, I'm so glad that I had you on to, to point that out. <laughs> Truly. Um, all right, we'll get to Psalm for the Elks Lodge, Last Call. Also, side note on that last song. Oh, I'm sorry. I really, no, it's fine. I was just going to, we wouldn't have gotten there anyways. I really like the way that, that song just ends very suddenly. And I, I kind of love that about it. About That's that song in particular? Yeah. Or do you like that about like, is that like a trait that you kind of appreciate in other songs? Uh, I mean, if it's done, if it's done well, Correctly. depends on the song. But I think like that one is just like, even knowing a song so well, I still think it's going to keep going and it doesn't. And uh, I remember being in a studio production class in college and uh, the professor is this dude, Jim McElwain, who's like produced a bunch of like big name stuff, but... And, I never actually looked this up, and I completely should have, but apparently he was also co-writer for the Muppet Babies theme song. Okay. Quite a credit. Yeah, I th- I, absolutely. And uh, I remember he would just play these songs like in class, and he would just talk about them. So it was like super cool class. It was uh-huh. freshman year. And he would play songs that have like fade-outs at the end of the song. And he kind of had this thing that I'd never thought of, but it was like... 
Why, what is with this fade out? Are we to believe that the song is going on still in some far off land? Like you couldn't think of an ending to I this? I have always been baffled by fade outs. And you know who else is kind of obsessed with talking about fade outs? Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins. Really? I have heard him bring it up around multiple people. Like, cause I, for a little, little behind the scenes for the listener that yeah. we were talking about before we started recording. I occasionally do some work for Paul and I record his live show that he does once a month in town. And, uh, the, there's usually some music elements in that show and uh, they'll do a cover just for the live audience and there's been a few times where this, whatever song they were doing uh, the real version fades out and I've heard them like be like like questioning like wait how does this end on the record and then I like, get to fade out and then they're like why did songs fade out and like I've heard him somebody just like look who and he's posed a great question that I would love to know the answer to is who was the first person to do a fade out to do the fade out let me ask you this. What decade do you think that happened in first? You don't have to give a specific artist, but... Uh, well, it de- this could depend. Because I know... I can't think of Beatles songs that fade out, it, at least that actually end with a fade out. Because there is things like Strawberry Fields, has it like comes back in, and it fades back in, and then it also fades back out. Right. And then it does that a couple times. So maybe the Beatles? So okay. that would be 60s, obviously. 60s. Um, but I don't know if people did that before that or not. That is a great question. Yeah. Who did the first fade out? I feel like the people's touchstone for fade outs, like sonically, was probably like the end of a movie, right? Mm-hmm. When the someone would be riding off into the sunset or something like that, and then the music would kind of fade out with it, and then there would be like an overture that comes back in. I don't know. Just off the top of my head, that's the yeah. first thing that comes up as like a, a touchstone of where that would happen. But good question. And I just don't understand it because, you know, most likely you're probably going to play the song live at some point. So, like, you have to come up with an ending. Yeah. So it's like, did you just not have an ending? And you're like, well, we need to record this. So let's just, we'll fade it out. I think that I feel like that when I've, when I've noticed that, like, oh, this song fades out, how are they going to end it? They usually do the, just like the last measure just kind of slowing it down dun 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 like ending on the tonic of whatever whatever the song is in and that's how they'll do it when there's like a fade out or something like that but yeah great question I'll take an unoriginal ending over a fade out in the day yes I'm completely with you on that so now let's get to the song from a cat's perspective the best song from a cat's perspective on this record I'll say that That's a bold statement, but you know what? I don't think you're wrong. I didn't think this was this early on the record. I I guess it's been that. Yeah. I was thinking it was late late on the record. So... You knew that this was from a cat's perspective before, like you heard this on the album albums. Yes. Oh man, so you didn't have that. Well, the first time you had the fresh look of like, <laughs> yeah. what is this thing? Uh, but oh, and I was gonna say, did you like the song better? And you did, yeah, because you totally. actually didn't like that line because you're like, uh-huh. why this seems out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah. Uh, and then you liked it better. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did totally. Like, because then I think, because I think. Still, I remember hearing it and like 
listening, but like wasn't listening super close. So I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics when I heard the record for the first time, and I wasn't looking at the track listing. I was just listening to it. Right. And so this came on, and then again, it got to that that same part, and that line came up, and I was like, Oh, it's the this cat one. The and then I like went back and listened to it with 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 the right perspective, and I was like, Oh, this is this is pretty great. My best friend uh, introduced me to the Weaker Dance, and he's like the the dude that got me on like the bouncing souls and all that mm-hmm. stuff, and. He's a big cat guy, and so like, I remember him introducing me to this song, and uh, the line that always sticks out to me with this is just this really like sort of cute line where it's uh, invite the tabby two doors down. Mm-hmm. I think that's so terrific. Yeah, uh, and that always stands out for me whenever I hear this. Like, again, if this will just be playing or this will come on out of nowhere, like that's the line that pops out. I'm like, oh, it's this song, you mm-hmm. know, uh, from that cat line. But yeah, I love 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 high concept specific stuff and this is like such a great example of that or at least when it's done well and i think this is yeah done really well for that right uh and speaking of high concept our retired explorer this is probably my next i don't know i go back and forth kind of this is this is one of my other favorites on this the is such a great song yeah. again another one that i i didn't I feel like it would be very hard to like sort of get it upon first listen like, yeah. what's going on in here. But this is about a uh, a fictional meeting between uh, French philosopher uh, French philosopher Michael Foucault and someone who was on the Shackleton expedition, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that line too. Yeah. This uh. That's kind of a fun video, too. I don't know if you've ever seen the video. Not usually much of a video guy either, but this, this video is pretty fun. You're not a video guy? Not really. If they're done, again, every now and I just think it's hard to do a good one. I think some ba- every now and then you'll see one and you're like, wow, that was a great video, but I feel like those, those are very rare for What me. do you think's a good one that's not thriller? Well, uh, the obvious answer is every OK Go video. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I just think, like... I don't know. They've like raised the bar too high. I feel like now because I feel like anybody anybody else's video that I see now, I'm just like, well, there's another video. <laughs> because I guess there's only so much you can do with like a lot of videos will have like sort of try to give some kind of narrative to either the video yeah, itself and that's or the what story. I, I don't, you don't like I that? don't really like that because I think it's too hard to do. It's I think it's really hard to pull off in my opinion. Like I'd say, so I, I'm I'd much more of like a like how okay go. Well, it's, it's always very like visually. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the way to go, in my opinion. No, no, no. But again, this is I'm a big fat dumb idiot. This is Who why knows? you're here. <laughs> uh, big fat dumb idiot. I don't. I didn't say that. I was gonna call you at the top, uh, Tony Thaxton, aka the El Chapo of podcasting. Well, but but <laughs> the truth's out. Big fat dumb idiot. Um. This is such an awesome song, yeah. But we'll get to, to Time's Arrow now. I'm also always terrible with uh, track titles. So, something that I still do a lot that I feel like is not happening in music anymore, and you, you know, actually being in the music industry can probably speak to a little bit of this. I still listen to albums. Like, I, I, will, I don't put on a song, I'll put on an album because I mm-hmm. like listening to the thing as a whole. But I feel like that's kind of dwindling and there's this like single culture that's like mm-hmm. coming up and coming out with things. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I know it's a very vague question. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, I'm really bad with, with new music. I really, 
am admittedly kind of out of touch with a lot of stuff right now. There just hasn't been a ton of stuff that I've been hearing that's exciting me. Um, again, it's probably out there. I just sure. haven't found it. Um, but uh, that definitely is a, like a thing that I've heard is like people theorize, and I don't think I disagree that like it kind of seems like I wouldn't be totally surprised to see like albums maybe even kind of go away like because people well, nobody's buying things now and it's just like oh you want to hear that song there you go yeah. it's like the easiest thing in the world to do and uh so like yeah people aren't even listening to whole records like they just get the song they want to hear and they'll sure some people will go and delve a little further right. but um I mean, I'm even guilty of it a lot. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. For the most part, people can just be satiated by that one song. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm a big technophile, like, you know, a big technology guy. But, like, you know, that's, like, one of the things that kind of bums me out about the, the ease of being able to get whenever you want, whenever you want. Is mm-hmm. like, the album might become a casualty of that. Yeah. And also, do you listen to You Made It Weird at all? Mm-hmm. Did you listen to the one with uh, Noel Gallagher? I did not hear that one. So he was telling, uh, he was telling Pete about how songs now, I'm sure just pop songs, but it's at least influenced, will be constructed, like the composition will be constructed, like around the whatever it is, like 20 seconds, like iTunes preview that you get from the song. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be written so that all the sweet stuff gets into that like sample of it, and that like blew my mind. Yeah. How was that a, a recent episode or is that a little bit older now? Say probably within the past year. So, because okay. there's part of me that's like wondering if even that might not be as much of a thing anymore with like Spotify and Apple Music being such a big thing now, where like you can just listen to this, you don't have to listen to a sample, you can just listen to the song. And what I've learned in the last couple of years that kind of blew my mind is a lot of like I think like high school kids and younger like. They don't even use that stuff. They listen to their music through YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, there's part of me that's, like, wondering if this whole, like, like, what he was saying about, the, like, the, the sample on iTunes, like, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's even that's going even away thing now. anymore. Yeah. When YouTube came out with that YouTube Red service mm-hmm. they have where you can buy it and, or YouTube Music even, like, I will go on YouTube if I just want to hear a quick pop song that, you know, I'm not going to want to listen to more than five times, but it's within the five times I'm listening to it. Like there's a Kesha song that I like want to hear. Like I will go to YouTube and play the video, but you know, then I heard they were launching uh, YouTube music and I was like, why are they doing that? That seems like such a weird, like just shot into space, but you're absolutely right. Like that's where they're the young audiences is they're just going straight to that. So they're just yeah, trying they to just make the like YouTube playlists and yeah, it's it's such a strange. I don't know, you kids. I don't kids. I don't know what your kids are doing. <laughs> uh, so we'll get into the second iteration of this sort of three song pattern. Over. I'll allow it. Thank you. I think the first the first one's the best one. In my yeah, opinion. Uber did, would not work with that. Oh, I meant the, of, of, of these uh, iterations. The, the, the album opener is my favorite of, of, of the these versions. three. Yeah. Is it because it's the least bummer? Least one that's a bummer of all of them? Uh, kind of, yeah. It just, it, it's like, it's the, like, I don't know. There's something about that one. Like, I, to me, this is like an album track. 
Whereas, whereas the, the opener is like, I'll actually like maybe seek it out sometimes. Like I'll, I would never really seek this one out on its own. In your opinion, do you think that there's like too much stuff going on with this? Because like even when it gets to the second verse, he like starts jumping ahead a line. Like you hear it almost as if it's like an echo, but it's an echo in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It's just, it's fine. It's just, it's just not something I really want to yeah. seek out. It seems like it's them wanting to like mess around in the studio bit and have a cool sound. Yeah. Not saying that the song itself is to its detriment, you know, but I guess just like the sound of it and the composition of it, it, it sounds a bit like. Let's do let's do some fun stuff with this, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, live he's just gonna do this on an acoustic guitar, like completely right. stripped down and be the opposite. Yeah, but uh, I, I get the you know I get it. I get why they did it and all that. It's just like yeah, I just prefer you know. We sure. all have our, our preferences. Yeah, absolutely. Sue me. Ooh, don't say that. People, <laughs> you can sue on anything these days. So this is uncorrected proofs. So I think this is a cool song, like a cool rock song, but it is like the one that stands out the least on this record. I was me. actually kind of thinking the same thing. Like I, I don't have an issue with this song, but it's it's not yeah. it's not one that I, you know, I, I might skip it from time to time. Yeah, you know? yeah, just because. Not to say that there's better stuff, but there's stuff you like you like more. Stuff we all have our preferences. We just went over this. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what we're that's what we are saying on here. This is all subjective stuff. Uh, no, this is all scientific fact. Sometimes I like to think that more than like <laughs> I joke that I do, <laughs> like how objective my subjectivity is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We'll get to a new name for everything. The most like country song. Ever. Yeah, is this the only one? Lap steel. Possibly. I'm not gonna hold you to that. <laughs> but I always like I, I always like interesting in, instrumentation uh, when it like fits in. Mm-hmm. Do you? How well do you know Tom Waits? Not Personally? as a, not as a person. <laughs> uh, I. It's, hit or miss like I, I know some stuff pretty well and some stuff I don't know at all so I didn't know anything about him I knew more about Louis Farrakhan than I knew about Tom Waits uh-huh. up until like two weeks ago when we did uh, Neil Variations which come out, came out on Anti yeah uh, so that like counts as like, the Anti family mm-hmm. so it was my first like full Tom Waits that's album that's the one with Big in Japan on it yes right, yeah. opens up with Big in Japan and like He's got, you know, obviously so much interesting stuff going on, and that album is really the only one that I, I know of his, which mm-hmm. I know is such a small slice of the pie, but some of those songs, like, they're all so cool, even the ballads, but there's always one thing that I'm like, why is this in here, and it bugs me. So he's got this, like, sort of campfire like, country song that I mm-hmm. know is, like, that's, like, the, his aesthetic for that record. But there is a part that very clearly is for a violin, but instead there's like a melodica or a synth 
like playing that violin part and I'm like why would you do that uh-huh. like are you doing that just to have one thing different in this but like why it just it seems a little shoehorned at times for me yeah uh and he's, a, he's, a, he's a strange guy he's a strange <laughs> I think, guy I think he just genuinely likes weird things yeah He's got that talking track on that on that. Is uh, that the one? Is that the? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember that was on that record. Dude, it's kind of hilarious. Dude, it's 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 creepy and hilarious at the same time. It sound if you go and put that on at some point, it sounds like the cutscene to a video game to like Resident Evil because <laughs> like it's like this like exposition that he's like telling himself, you know, and he's got like this like faux fo- phone effects going on. I yeah, I remember the best, my favorite moment of that song was uh, he doesn't have a lot of friends, but he gets a lot of mail. Yeah. <laughs> he was an insurance adjuster in Taiwan or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Uh, now, another fun, not self-deprecating song, but certainly city deprecating. Another great, yeah, this is top three. Yeah. Of this record or yeah. just or Week of the Ends in general? Uh, this record, maybe, maybe both. Maybe both. Late afternoon, another day is nearly done. A darker gray is breaking through a lighter one. So the internet explains the song as him dealing with his like love-hate relationship with Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But the, the song just sounds like it's a hate relationship with Winnipeg. Yeah. Do you have a sort of like love-hate hometown thing with any of the places you grew up, whether in Michigan or in Virginia? Um, I mean, maybe a little bit with the little town that I lived in in Michigan. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's not anything. It's, <laughs> I could end it there. It's not any. It's just like it's. It's just a very nondescript boring small town nothing exciting going on um and it's just yeah in the, in the, the midwest in general is just not my preferred area of the country even though i grew up there um do you go back there ever so that's i still have some family that lives there so that's that's kind of where this comes in is like it's such a like the place but I can still go and like kind of enjoy it because like my sisters live there and my oh, okay. nieces and nephews and stuff and um, and then more extended family that are there. So like in that aspect, it's still fun to go and there's still like weird things that just like you know that might still be there that I have you know just never think about until I get there. I'm like, oh yeah, this place and you know they're just dumb little things like that. Right. But I, but I think like this this is such a universal thing in terms of like people who you know go off to bigger and better things or just other things when they go somewhere else uh i actually don't really have that because i i grew up in new york city i grew up Mm -hmm. in staten island and i still live there now and uh like staten island is the most like divisive of boroughs because it's the one that you know everyone likes to kind of crap on Mm -hmm. you know it's like as soon as you like are there in New York long enough and you're an official New Yorker, it's like, oh yeah, Staten Island, ba 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 ba. And even people that live there aren't that into it, but I just have this like uh, huge like hometown like affinity for it. Uh, and I stick up for it all the time. I stick mm-hmm. up for a lot of things all the time. I think I just like picking except for LA. people. <laughs> except for LA. Um, well, there's enough people championing LA. There's not enough people championing <laughs> Staten Island. Um, Fair enough. But uh, yeah, that was a lovely song. 
now into Benediction, 12th of 14 tracks. Uh, how are you feeling about the end of this record? Uh, you know, to be blunt, I, I, with the exception of that last song, I, I definitely usually drop I pref- off. I prefer the, the first half a little more, but uh, again, I'm not saying that even necessarily as an insult to the rest of it because I think the record's really solid. I just, right. I just think, again, the preference thing. Yeah, I, I just, I just like the first half a little more. No, I mean, obviously, all of this, all of this is just us talking about our preferences. So everyone out there, you know, don't go too hard on anyone. Uh, but. We'll go into Prescience of Dawn. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I feel like I usually drop off after one great city. Yeah, uh, and then we'll finish it off with Past Due, the last of the trilogy. I forgot that there were fourteen songs on this record. Do you think I there's rem- less or more? Uh, I just forgot, um, <laughs> but because I remember it being sort of a thing. At the time, because uh, I'm the movie, our first record on Epitaph had 14 songs, and I remember us kind of being like, "Is that too many songs?" and like worried that that was like a weird amount of like a lot of songs. 14. Yeah, and just feeling like it was maybe too much, but we didn't. There was nothing we really wanted to cut, uh, and uh, just feeling weird. And then I remember this came out, and I was like, "This is 14 songs." So. We're in good company. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I think the thing with this is you have a track on here that's a minute 39. You have a track that's a minute 44, two minutes, 50, you know? Yeah. I think that the time like kind of more than makes up for it you know, right. with this stuff. And I, there was a lot of, I, I think, of any of the records with that Motion City put out, the shorter of the tracks would be on I Am The Movie because like everything just came in like right away as soon as the song started. Yeah. yeah uh, our songs were usually on the shorter side yeah. as well, so... Uh, can I ask you this? So that was that was Weaker Than's uh, reconstruction site. Do you have any other like thoughts on this record in particular? Uh, nothing really specific. It just uh, like I said, I just I really like the record, and it does kind of uh, it always makes me think of of like the my earlier days of touring with Motion City, because um, like I said, we did that tour with them. I think our record was not yet out on Epitaph, and I don't think this had come out yet either. Um, but they were both like about to or something. I may be a little off on that timing, but it's something like okay. that. Because this was their and, first uh, record on Epitaph. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, just, I don't know, you know. And that was just like a. It was still so early, and it was everything. You know, everything was kind of new and exciting at that point. So right. it, it has like a very. You know, I, I think of it fondly in those regards. Sure. Dude, this has been such a treat. Like, thank you so much. Like, my pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I <laughs> thank for putting up with all of the technical difficulties we had before. But uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't tell you enough. Oh, could, would you like to plug anything? Uh, I mean, at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in like. I do a lot of random things, so Make I feel it, like. Have, have, have Do you still write songs for people? I do. Yeah, there you go. Uh, downright.com. D-O-W-N-W-R-I-T-E. Um, yeah, you can buy uh, custom written songs. I do like little, depends what you want. You can get a, just a little 30-second jingle. You can get a, uh, a full song. You can get a, one with a full band. You can get a, uh, a lot, you know, everyone on earth, as we all know. Everyone has a podcast now. I'll do podcast theme songs for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually done quite a bit of those. Um, so, yeah, if you want something like that. 
downright.com and uh, and tonythaxton.com is where all the other stuff has I do some podcasts also but it's I'm kind of been taking a little intermission from those at the moment I but, get uh, you man well if you want a, a good example of uh, the uh, the jingles I'd say give a listen to the Christmas quiz <laughs> I think that's probably my favorite of all of them. That seems to be the popular one. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to say that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I think it's my favorite one. No. Too. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a deep cut. <laughs> that's, that's more of my favorite. Um, when Matt Goley was on, you guys were talking about, I was there too, his podcast and who uh-huh. he should get on from star Wars. And you put in this like little, <laughs> Oh wow. You are uh, going deep. You should probably give him a ringy ding. That song was great just because it didn't sound like anything else. <laughs> Thank you. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was me salvaging a, an idea for something else. I had tried to do it and never saw the light of day. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to repurpose a great melody. this. <laughs> I got to use this. All right. So we're going to go out on a, a plea from cat named Virtuate, even though it says virtue on here. Oh yeah. Thanks again, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hello, I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie, and... Uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's on, hooking up with who? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, I right? triple kissed them. Okay, oh, a little triple kiss. Triple that way you didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out maybe? Or oh, the, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never because I, you know, what I mean, that's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I don't, I don't know how old they are. I could never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah, I chalked. I, I chalked her. You chalked her. <laughs> what? I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!